Jackie Lockie, your financial planning maestro. This series of podcasts is aimed at financial planning professionals and also those who are looking to enter the financial planning profession. We will be talking during the podcast about all things certified financial planner certification related, talking to other CFPs around the world, and also we will be dropping in on some new entrants who've just entered the financial planning profession, and we'll be checking up along the way on a regular basis with them to see how they're getting on. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Hello and welcome. I'm Jackie Lockie, your financial planning maestro. And in today's podcast, I have two extremely, very, very special guests with me. And and that is um, Shannon Curry and Phil Billingham from Perceptive Financial Planning. Good morning to both of you. Morning. Morning. Now, thanks for joining me today. And we are talking about all things certified financial planner related on our podcast today. And in particular, we are going to delve around in the international aspects of CFP. Um, and also, with our, both Shannon and Phil have very special connections to other countries. Um, and so we are going to talk about all of those aspects and how being a certified financial planner helps with finding other CFPs in other countries and building great relationships to support your clients wherever they are in the world. So let's just dive straight in, shall we? Um, And uh, Phil, I'm going to start with you, if I may. Um, Just a quick background on you and how you came across the Certified Financial Planner and why you decided to do it in the first place. Um, Very brief background. um, I joined the industry as a direct sales commissioner and salesman in 82. They were the old days, not the good old days. Um, but then through uh, a variety of roles, training roles, consultancy roles, um, I start. I became aware of the IFP, I guess, when they founded in mid-80s um, and started to do... Um, have some interaction, particularly around we, we entered the case study challenge. I can't remember the, the exact oh, name. The, the team um, challenge, yes. That's the one, yes. Yeah. yes. I remember entering that uh, team. And I think just generally started to, to get um, slightly nagged. I, I got my first chartered title uh, to 1996. Um but I was I was aware um, of the CFP, and, and then it was very linked, at least in my mind, to the fellowship um, exams. And um, I'd had a look at those and decided that that was much too like much like hard work. I wasn't going to do that. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, Jill eventually kept just kept nag- nagging. Um, so yeah, I, I um, decided that we would. We would uh, we would enter. Um, and we did that together. But uh, I met Shannon. I kept I keep telling people I've I'm, I married the best financial planner I ever met. Yes, I think I and, agree with that one too. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and the rest is history. We, the rest is history. Yeah, we did the four day intensive program down in Bristol. Um, 
rented rented uh, an apartment and just worked stupid hours. Um, Shannon was having to show me how to construct Excel spreadsheets and cash flows at the same time as doing her own, which was a good trick. So, uh, <laughs> so she had to work extra hard that week. Wow, wow, and that's great. And Shannon, you know, what about you? How did you come across the the CFP? Well, I'm still for that matter, I guess, <laughs> um, because obviously by <laughs> yes. accident you ended up in the same place at the right time. Yes, entirely by accident, but you're absolutely <laughs> right. Um, I, I must admit that residential course was uh, brilliant. Uh, the light switched on. Um, I'd been giving advice uh, prior to this, but um, I'd not known that there was a structure in the same way as as the six steps came out, uh, came across with. And uh, of course, once you start doing that particular course, you all of a sudden it's like, oh yes, of course. Mm. Um, and it just it was like a warm bath. It was really rather wonderful actually uh, to come across like minded people thinking in the same way. So yeah. from my perspective. Um, it really was a revelation and I just have not looked back since in that sense. Ah, well, that leads me on nicely to the next thing I wanted to talk to you about, actually. And that was how you have, obviously, you've built this great business, financial planning business together. How has the CFP and going through that process of doing your case study submission and the structure, how has that influenced how you've built your business? Um, shall I jump in on yeah. that one? Yeah, I think, I think so. uh, certainly from we did that course when we were not practicing at the time. We were working in and around financial planning firms um, offering consultancy services. But when we did decide to launch the business in 2009, it was obvious that that was the only way to run a business from our perspective, having gone through that course and seen the structured approach to the client outcome that you got, um, it was the only way we were able to consider launching a business. So um, our clients get exactly what was on that course, which is, you know, you go through uh, the steps, the financial plan, the cash flow planning, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And so for us, it is absolutely, it runs through our DNA as a business. Yeah, that's great to hear. That's great. And Phil, from a practical point of view, I guess starting the business, having both of you already passed your your CFP certification, uh, did that make it easier to actually structure the business and kind of lay out your business proposition to attract clients? Well, the initial business was was all Shannon. I, um, we started in two thousand and nine, and it was Shannon part timer, and and then built from there. So it was. Three, four years later, perhaps that I, I really joined the business and um, having uh, stayed in consultancy for for a while, uh, especially working in consultancy in South Africa. Um, um, I was a director of the business and was involved in in the structuring. And I guess we've we've touched on on it um, that um, there are two. Um, there are two aspects of the CFP. There's the part of it that deals with the practicalities of financial planning, cash flow, um, the, the, the holistic approach, reasoned and reasonable assumptions. And there's so this is that's the part of the process that the client experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, but as Shannon has alluded to, 
um, you can't do that in isolation. But planning, financial planning is a team sport. You have to have the whole business structuring structured to deliver financial planning and CFP. And I think that's been something that's been missed. It's it's quite hard to do CFP um, work or financial planning work on an ad hoc basis for the odd client where you feel it might work. Um, that's that's a really clunky way to, to run a, a business model. Yeah, um, yeah. So so I guess what exercised my mind with the background that I had was was financial planning as a business model. Um, so so look at that side of it. And I think that's really interesting, isn't it? I've come across over the last five or so years a lot of people who do cash flow planning and believe that just doing cash flow planning and squirting the numbers through some piece of proprietary software means that they're a financial planner. So what what, what would you say to that? I think it's a start. And I think it's it's it there is a discipline to stepping back and getting the numbers. Financial planning is a very data hungry process, much more than giving uh, product based advice. Um, so just that discipline of stepping back and getting enough uh, data to plug into to truth or voyant or, or, or cash calc or whatever the case may be, um, you soon found out that you haven't got information, that the software is asking you for things or it's coming up with weird shaped graphs because it hasn't got the right information. So that that's not a bad start. I wouldn't want to decry that. But I think... Um, well, I would then say, what's the challenge? How do you get that data? Is there a process to it? Um, are you are you just reacting, or is or is there a process? Can you tell clients where they are in the process? Um, clients come with a problem, and they want the problem solved immediately. And sometimes you have to say, well, no, we're, we're not there. We're at this part of the process. There is a there is a process. There's a system here, and. It takes a while for clients to understand that because that all they're interested in is the outcome, is, is the solution to their problem. Yeah. But when they get to the end of it, pretty much clients are aware that it's been a much richer process than they thought it was. They were just going to get some pensions advice or something. Whereas yeah. They've got a, a, a much richer understanding of the, the environment that they find themselves in. So it's a good start, but it's not. It, it's a step on the way. Yeah. And Shannon, I can remember a number of years ago, you and I sitting at a conference and having a natter about how you loved going back to giving advice and, and actually seeing clients on a day-to-day basis um, and helping them along that journey. So for you, how how do you approach that discussion of what financial planning really is? You know, when, as Phil mentioned, when, when a client comes to you and says, well, you know, I need my pension sorted out or I'm worried about, you know, what happens when I retire or something like that. How, what's, that what, how, what's involved in that discussion about, you know, what, what financial planning is and the service that you can offer? Oh, um, I think... I've always been conscious clients come to us at points of stress Um, because otherwise why talk about something as personal as money and perhaps our own fears and inadequacies around that. Um, So there's, there's a stress that's driving them to get in contact with you first. I think financial planning is, or the, the process of financial planning is something that we as practitioners get caught up in 
um, a client really doesn't understand it. They just have to live it. Um, And so a lot of this is, for me, it's simply the conversation. Um, And I've uh, our meetings are held um, with a spider map, uh, picking up the different bits of the financial planning process. But uh, because it's circular, I just don't um, need to sit there with a linear agenda that is tick one, tell me all about you, tick two, do this, tick three. It's talk to me about what's on your mind, what is bothering you. And you can you can often have an hour's conversation and get nowhere near what's on their mind. You can get the fringes and the susurrations of what they're worrying about. Um, and it, it and it's coached or couched in the wording that they think we want to know about. It's well, I'm going to see my financial planner, so I'm going to speak about something that interests them. So it must be pension, must be investment, must be the markets or something like that. Um, so for me, the joy really is, is actually just letting a client talk. And as long as you are conscious of the things, the, the data you need to capture, actually they'll tell you everything that they want, you know, that you need to know. Um, you sometimes have to ask awkward and difficult questions and go places that most of us would not choose to do so in a in polite company you 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 know that's that's what we're there for is to ask the painful and awkward questions but um for, so for me the process of financial planning isn't the a linear process it's actually just letting somebody unravel what it is and it's when we take that away and put it into the structure of the six steps it's at that point a lot of clients come back and say you know I keep having conversations about oh well the level expended well I don't know what I spend because of course you need that for the cash flow yeah and I say well I can I can make the expenditure equal the income because I, I can see you don't have savings so you must be spending what you're making um, but it's more helpful if you give me the data and I'll get sort of very loose bits of information. The moment you do the financial plan, um, there is an immediate, right, I had no idea it is as powerful as that. Um, Could I come back to you with the numbers? Could you leave me for a year just to keep an eye on a monitor? And so in actual fact, the client then starts volunteering and getting involved in doing something that um, they may choose to call it a rainy day job, but it's something all of a sudden they're getting the value of that process. And I think that's great, isn't it? Because you're giving your clients the opportunity to kind of relax in your company and tell you everything about themselves rather than, like you said, you know, I've got to go to my financial planner and sort out my pension or whatever it is. Absolutely. Those are, those are such serial conversations. The geek in me can get really excited, but actually there's no fun for anybody in that. <laughs> I can remember um, some clients I was giving advice to many years ago now, and we were talking, We they were had a very comfortable conversation and we were talking to them about where they saw themselves in five years time and starting to put some plans in place. And they looked at each other and said to me, well, we want to be divorced in five years time. And uh, I nearly fell off my seat. Um, but I guess in a, in a positive way, <laughs> that they we had created that environment where they felt comfortable to be able to share that information with us so that we could plan for for that eventuality if that's the way that they wanted to go um so you never quite know what's going to pop out do you 
You're absolutely so. right. And there are times that it feels like you are high wire dancing um, <laughs> and you just need to let it, you know, this is, you're here in their space. So it'll yeah. come out. You just have to sort of, you know, how do they, I think the modern terminology is check your privilege. You know, it's check your biases and values. And this is about them, not about us. Or, yeah. 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 And, Let's talk about, you know, both of you have a very strong relationship to another country, don't you? Yes. I was about to say, are you talking Wales? <laughs> <laughs> More than one. Yeah, I let's suspect t- you're talking about South Africa. I'm yeah. talking yeah. about yeah. South Africa, yeah. <laughs> So let's yeah, talk about I'm, South Africa I'm, first. I'm, I'm, I'm flying there tonight. In fact, for the for the for the weekend, as you do. Oh wow, amazing! So how <laughs> did you? How did the two of you come to get involved so heavily with uh, you know the Financial Planning Institute and the Certified Financial Planners in South Africa? Yeah. yeah. Um, soon after we we. We got together and obviously you know, people were picked up. Um, South Africa, um, Sam was born in Zimbabwe, grew up in South Africa, I grew up in South Africa. And um, we went out for a week um, to do some reconnaissance and, and South Africa was just going through the start of a, a, a regulatory process, I guess, 2005 onwards. And were very much following the the UK path, but doing it at a different timescale, different way. Um, and we found quite quickly within days that um, of talking to people that we had uh, some lived experience that was was useful for them. Um, one of the, the advantages with CFP, to go back to that, is is that even though it's 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 a different level, a different license to trade, and different structure in 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 different countries, um, what it does do in in many countries is give us a common vocabulary and mm-hmm. a common problem solving uh, approach, a, a prism in which to see clients' problems. Um, and certainly it gave us a prism in which to frame regulatory change because regulatory change is is like the CFP, both about how you change the behavior and the process with a client, but it's also about how you change your business model. And again, like CFP, just doing what you did and then trying to compliance something at the end doesn't work. You have mm. to change the way the business delivers. And I think the CFP mindset was well placed and is well placed for that those transitions so it was natural that we got talking the 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 French planning institute of southern africa is proportionally much greater uh much larger than than the ifp was in the uk and the number of uh cfps it's a it's a it's a smaller slightly smaller population it's certainly a smaller uh, population of um of wealthy individuals in South Africa, but there's about four and a half thousand CFPs last time I checked. Mm. Uh, compared to the UK, eight hundred or nine hundred um, last time I looked. Yeah, 
Yeah, so quite a significant difference. And Shannon, how did you, um, you know, progress those conversations? How, you know, how have you started to help people, encourage people to do the CFP over there? And also obviously giving advice yourself over there? It's it's a trait of financial planners, and I'm sure it is of all advisors, but particularly I've noticed it in financial planning communities. Um, when you attend conferences, it, it doesn't take long and the conversation comes around to clients. Um, and it was a, a conversation with another CFP in Cape Town who had a client uh, from South Africa who was uh, moving across to the UK uh, to be with the grandchildren. Um, and um, we were talking about some of the offshore stuff because it's treated differently from a tax perspective in South Africa than it is in the UK. And we were chatting this through. And um, he sort of said, well, actually, I think you might be able to help this client. Well, you know what we're like with our clients. They're our babies. You know, it's yeah. very hard to trust somebody else. Um, so in actual fact, for the for the converse, for that for the purposes of that conversation, what we did is um, we offered to do a financial plan for an imaginary client of theirs so that they could see how we do things. Because I know we all say we're CFPs and we do things a certain way, but um, that changes from firm to firm, never mind country to country. Um, so we actually did. He set the imaginary client, which looked pretty much like the client he was worrying about. Um, and we wrote a financial plan for him and sent it to him. Let him have a think about, you know, did this pick up on the things that, you know, he felt we should be concerned about. But also, how did we approach things? How did we communicate? It's that real soft, lovely, you know, feeling that you'll look after my client really, really carefully. And in actual fact, that opened the doorway to us helping a number of uh, that firm's clients who were either coming across to South Africa or had come across to South Africa. And of course, he recognized that he didn't have um, the skills as a, as a South African in the UK. Um, in actual fact, I think I said across to South Africa, it was across to the UK, apologies. Um, and vice versa, I wouldn't have the first clue of, of the tax position for a South African client. I wouldn't dream of advising a South African client. So um, interestingly, we actually have people who come to us and say, I need help in South Africa. Well, I tell you what, there's a CFP firm we work with or a number of CFP firms, and, and you probably could benefit from this particular advisor's um, sort of specializations, and we'll put, you know, put them in touch. So we share um, mutual skills, but uh, specialists to different countries I don't and know I think, if that's useful to you yeah it is very useful and I think it's a great point you you bring out um about you know your clients are like your babies and you don't want to let them go traditionally um I think Phil you've probably seen this in in a lot of your consulting days before going you know going into business uh, as the CFP with the practice with Shannon is that you know, people are, are kind of very protective of their clients and think if they introduce them to another professional, whether that's, you know, any kind of other professional, that they, the clients will kind of be sucked down this vortex and end up with another advisor at the end of the day. So there's a, there's a real bond of trust that you have to build, isn't there? There is. Um, and 
we have invested and continue to invest a great deal of time on the personal relationships because mm. it is it is personal. Um, so we do spend time with with these firms um, on a mainly professional basis. We'll give talks to their um, staff. We'll spend time with them, um, but also, you know, um, it's it's South Africa. We're sociable people, so it's not unknown to go out for for beer, glass of wine as well, uh, and, and sometimes combine them. And it takes a while to build trust and then maintain the trust and we don't take those relationships for granted and there are challenges to that um that process in terms of confidentiality you know once if they introduce somebody who's moved to the uk from south africa which is the classic for us and we only advise on within the uk environment we don't advise outside the uk um it's not desperately unknown for there to be assets and income and resources that, um, how shall I put it, maybe wouldn't have been fully declared in South Africa or um, or mm -hmm. developments in their life. And, and either way, you know, the confidentiality of, of, of how you feed that back, because we're bound by confidentiality, that duty of care, as well as the the more mundane mundane aspects of GDPR. Um, so we, we have to manage that quite carefully, and that can be unsettling because, you know, quite naturally somebody's worked with somebody for a number of years, and, uh, and the expectation is that perhaps that we'll just, tell them everything and repeat the whole conversation and send them copies of documents. And and we have to be quite careful about that. And each client has to be, some clients are really comfortable with that. And other clients like to keep a, a bit of a wall, Chinese wall, if you like, between their UK affairs and their South African affairs. Mm. Um, and at the end of the day, we, we take on the client fully. We're not order takers we're planners and then we and we take on the client and uh, we we have to do what's best for the client so there are challenges there and and it is important that um, both parties understand and respect those challenges yeah yeah and that, obviously that's where you know you being able to demonstrate your skills and actually have a good working relationship with these other planners in other countries so i guess that's why why you set up uh, world citizens then phil yeah, I'd, I'd love to tell you how planned and, and thought through that was, but but it wasn't. Um, what happened is, from my work with the IFP and, and Society of Financial Advisors before that, I ended up getting, and I've done work with the Financial Planning Standards Board internationally. I got invited to speak at conferences because for a long while, the UK was what, uh, what, what was described as the bleeding edge of, of, of regulation, and people wanted to see how we were dealing with things because they could see this was coming down the line for them. And that meant that for a lot of planners in Canada and Australia and Bulgaria and South Africa, um, myself and myself and Shannon were the only um, UK planners they'd either met or certainly had a glass of wine with. So when they come across a client who was moving from Vancouver Island to Cheshire, for, to give one real life example, um, I got a phone call. You know, can you can you help these people? Because they were going to settle here, they're now going to settle over there, and, they, and we need to restructure their stuff over there. 
And it just sort of grew from that. Australians in particular, um, both coming to the UK from Australia, but, but a lot of them going back and, and had legacy uh, investments and pensions in the UK. Um, it's not a secret that historically the offshore expat world has been a bit of a shark tank. Mm. Um, um, a lot of people who I would have described as refugees from regulation operating and some of the products and practices are pretty abhorrent. Um, so, yeah, Shannon's point about our clients are our babies. Um, yeah, it was it was much easier for for CFPs in in different countries to have a conversation with us, having met us and and listened to us and listened to us express the same concerns and talk the same language. Shan's absolutely right, of course. You know, you, you know, you're at a financial planning conference when you go and stand at the bar and 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 uh, and people are not talking about money and cars and, and important stuff like rugby, they're talking about clients. You know, that that's what you put any group of financial planners together and in within 10 minutes you're talking about clients. That's just the way they are. Yeah. And and we share a lot of values. And that just made it easier. We just had to put a bit of a structure around it and actually had to understand what our role was. Yeah. And it is that global community feeling, isn't it, of being a certified financial planner that you've been through that same six-step process that Shannon talked about at the start? It is, though it's not a, again, not a secret that historically, and I'm pretty well known for saying this, and you've been waiting for me to say it, I guess, um, to go back to my point about Financial planning being a business model, not 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 merely um, a cash flow exercise of a client. Um, most CFPs do not do financial planning because they don't have a business model that delivers financial planning, um, and that's either because they don't know how to, or they're working in a business in an environment or regulatory environment that doesn't facilitate that, or in some cases actively discourages it. Mm. Um, so that can be a real problem. And Shannon will, um, will remember in Toronto, Shannon, that young guy in the bar who mm. just was taken over, yeah, taken over his dad's business and was passionate about wanting to change and was desperate. You know, if he could have moved us in, particularly move Shannon in, he, he would have done so because he was desperate to change his business. He could see what the future could be and should be. But there was nothing around him that would help him make that transition. And and that was that really stuck with us because the passion and the ethics were there, but the the support just wasn't there. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough thing to do because you kind of want to jump in, Shannon. I guess you wanted to give yes. him a cuddle and <laughs> give him all the support that he needed. Yes, you end up doing what you do for your clients. Is don't worry, leave it with me. We'll sort it. <laughs> you really do. Shannon, um, the person who fixes everything in the world that's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, leave it with me. Excellent. Yeah, very good. But that I think you know that's that kind of attitude is what 
you know, on my travels internationally with the FPSB as well, I've come across so commonly um, that so many CFPs will say, okay, well, you know, let me try and help you or, you know, let's swap some information or this is how, you know, let's demonstrate how we structured our business. Um, And then that's really, you know, given other people, you know, something to stand on and something to say, okay, well, let me look what, you know, what's wrong with my business? How can I change it if I had a blank sheet of paper, you know, like you did, Shannon, when you started your business, you know, what would I do differently? So how can I transition all of that? Um, So that's, I think that's one of those, that real feeling of community that comes across with the CFPs, doesn't it? Hugely so. Mm. Mm. So, Phil, let's move on then and talk about um, (laughs) the future of financial planning in the UK, um, because I know that uh, recently you wrote a white paper for Nucleus um, uh, setting out, you know, the history of what's happened in the UK with a certified financial planner and chartered financial planner uh, designations. And just tell us a bit about that and about how you see the future for certified financial planners now little question because hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a, it's been a rocky road hasn't it and there's been some frustrations i, th- I think anybody you know, yeah, knows me knows that I've, I've not only got a hobby horse i've got a whole stable of hobby horses <laughs> um, but one of my passions i guess is it's probably been come out already and that is that financial planning is a business model first and foremost it's a business model and if if we take the worldwide assumption and there are various papers um that the vast majority of cfps worldwide and you can argue whether it's 50 percent or 70 percent or 80 percent i almost don't care it's certainly a majority don't do financial planning on a, on, a, on a systematic and business-like basis. Um, is that because they're um, uh, misguided or evil or, or, or lazy or greedy? Uh, and the answer is that whilst they might be the odd individual who's that, the vast majority, as we've already alluded to, are decent ethical people who are trying to do the very best for their clients. Mm. So if you say, well, why isn't this, why aren't you delivering that then? Um, um, and, and why aren't you experiencing it? Because Financial planning, you know, am I allowed to say it's the, it's the, it's, the, it's the most fun you can have with your clothes on? It's <laughs> it's it's fabulous. It's it's a real privilege to do it, and and people can see that and they want part of that. But it's how do you get to it? And I think there's been um, a real focus on the detail and the things that separate us and. And, and some of the um, stuff around um, you know, different cash flow models and assumptions and a lack in in the UK, but other countries as well, a lack of focus and support about how do you have a model that delivers that uh, and a business model that delivers that. And I think that's been, been a real problem and it's one we have to address mm-hmm. because going forward, if you look at... 10 years' time and, you know, whatever financial planning 2.0 or perhaps even 3.0 at that point, whatever that that looks like, if we're looking backwards down the down the, the lens from, from 10 years' time, um, if we're – if those who are today in the, in the business of, of selling product, even for a fee, are increasingly going to be competing with Tesco's 
and and Amazon. And and my advice to that is good luck. Um, all the value is in is in the planning. Um, what we've learned in the last dreadful eighteen months. Um, and really traumatic 18 months of our lives is that we can, uh, we all wondered if we could work remotely and in three days in March, we learned we could uh, <laughs> yes. last March. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, um, and, uh, and I would say to a lot of people who, who want to work from home permanently is be careful what you wish for because you, you, if you can do it from Wimbledon or, or Brighton, you can, you can do the job from, from Durban or, or Delhi. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, that's that's going to be dangerous for some, some people. So financial planning clients we know crave the interaction; they claim crave the personality. So once we've been able to work with clients remotely, that's not that's not what they want. It's a real personal relationship um, in financial planning. So I think roundabout, I, I think. The firms that, that really want to be here in 10 years' time and be and thrive, and not only survive, but thrive in the new environment, it is a financial planning model. It is a business model. It is a business that delivers by default. Um, and the support, those who would support financial planning or work with financial planners um, need to be on board with that and need to know where they fit into that business model and where they add value to that business model. And I could give you a long list of examples of, of of entities that are around at the moment who who simply probably aren't going to survive to financial planning 3.0 or 2.0 because they, they don't add value to that model. And in the words of Dylan Thomas, they will not go quietly into that dark night. Mm. Uh, and we're already seeing a lot of lobbying on regulation to can we have less regulation and have our direct sales forces back, please? Yeah. Um, and and um, there's, there's a battle still to be had there. But as financial planners, we've got to be clear while eyes on the prize. Um, and I do think that means getting rid of the internal frictions within the profession. So there has to be a way of uniting the belts of chartered and certified. They are different things, and perhaps they should become the same thing. Um, we are seeing more cooperation um, between the, the bodies so the, and um, both the CISI and, and PFS are not without their problems at the moment and, and they're well documented. I don't need to rehearse those, but we have to get past that. We, we, we can't just sit and wallow in that. The, the, the game and the prize are more important than, than the current troubles. We have to get past it. Mm. Um, and there has to be a, a, a united, if not legally united, then a united in vision of 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 how we as a profession deliver our best value uh, to clients. And there are all sorts of issues in there. There's going to be issues of succession. How many businesses survive the death or retirement of their owner? And it's, it's fewer than 10%. We have to get past that. Uh, if we're going to be look, talking about financial planning, looking after people for 20, 30, 40, 50 years of life, how can we do that from a business with a five-year life expectancy? That's, mm. That doesn't work. So we've we've got some challenges. Yeah. And Shannon, I think one of the things you mentioned earlier is about that real client relationship. And you, maybe one of the challenges that I see in the future is how do you attract 
more clients, you know, as you obviously we're all aging, as your business is, is passed on to, you know, the next new upcoming generation of certified financial planners, hopefully, um, you know, how will you change and restructure your business to attract more clients? Have you already got one eye on that? I think sometimes we get a bit carried away with I give, you know, advice to women because I am a woman. So I know something special and different. The truth is we're all people. Mm. Um, and yes, new clients will come along. Um, they will bring their own challenges. And there are some some things we need to, to be aware of and adapt to. Um, but... I, and I have to be careful on this because Phil uh, frequently uh, says to me that if uh, nobody knew about us, I'd be just, I'd be really happy because the truth is all our, all our clients come from, from word of mouth. You know, they, they come from referrals, they come from friends and family and trustees of a trust we're already looking after. Yeah. Uh, other advisors uh, will reach out to us. So we are in an incredibly lucky position in that sense. Um, so I feel that if you keep doing the job you're doing, um, that will just naturally suck in the type of clients that you want to work with. Um, it's the, the the challenge, I think, where, uh, where you're asking the question is for us is um, that we're lucky enough to grow our own. We are very patient. Um, we we are very happy to take people in who may not have the qualifications of having worked for other firms because we'd rather teach you the way that we do things and, and you don't have to get too caught up in all the baggage that goes with it. Um, and, and we're happy to put you through that whole process, the CFP process, so that once again, you don't know that business is done any other way except this way. And mm. I think that in itself will start to, that start will draw in in the same way as we're drawing our clients, uh, you know, potential client referrals coming in, they will do the same. Um, they will probably do so at the age group relevant to them, but it'll come. Excellent. Thank you. Well, we are very nearly out of time. And I just wanted I to add ask... one thing to that. Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah. Can I add one thing to that? <laughs> and, that, that, that <laughs> yeah. and just, just making the point that, the two go in lockstep. You know, we um, we work very hard and very focused to make sure that as many of the children of our clients were clients in their own right. And, and, and that was quite successful. We put a lot of work in and, and at one point over 80% of the children of clients who could who could be clients were clients. Um, and we, we, we're reaping the rewards of that. It turns out the next generation is often wealthier than the first generation. Um, but of course, and what we're seeing is perhaps unusually for financial planning firms around the world is the average age of our clients is falling and falling quite dramatically. Yes. Um, and, and that's fine, but my age isn't falling, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, so Shannon's point about bringing people in, growing your own, you know, we can take a 25, 30 year old in and, and know that they can't give advice or, or do, do anything like that for five or 10 years. But, but that's fine because we can see that those clients that we've now got average age of 50 uh, are, are going to need 30 years of, of, of planning. You know, there's that, there's that longevity to it. Mm. Um, that with with the greatest respect in the world, I'm, 
personally, I'm, I'm not going to be doing. That's just, I'm no. not going to be around for that time. <laughs> so sorry to interrupt, but you, you know, you, you, you've got to, you've got to look at, You've got to look at the longevity. Bringing in 25-year-olds when your client base is now getting older and they're in their 80s, um, you know, it, there is a value to that, but not as much value when you're bringing them in and they start working with people closer to their their generation. And then the clients can see, yes, I can see there's a plan here to look after me for the next 20 or 30 years. And that's what I need. Mm, yeah, yeah. I'll shut up now, Jack. That's right. No. I, well, I was just going to ask one the same question to both of you, if I may, just to close our conversation mm. off. And that is, you know, I've come across, I'm sure you both have too, a number of people who think, oh, yes, yes, I, you know, I'd kind of like to do the CFP, um, but, you know, maybe I'm just not ready or I just want to do this first. Um, so what would be your message to everybody out there who is sitting on the fence? Phil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, just do it. Um, I, I think you learn by by doing it. It changed my mindset. Um, I'd already been in the, the business for 24, for 20, almost 25 years and chartered by the time I, I did CFP. And on the second day, it was like a light bulb going off. And, and I remember saying, if everybody did business like this, we'd never have any complaints. Um, and um, I still think that. Um, it was one of the things I did in my life that changed my life. And I would I would say to everybody, just just do it. Just just do it. Just do it. <laughs> and Shannon? <laughs> You're probably going to hear exactly the same but with different uh, language. Um uh, go for it. Don't hesitate. Uh, it'll be you'll look it's like a warm bath. Once you get in, you sort of go, Wow, I never want to stop doing this. And it gives you it's hugely rewarding um it brings with it its pains as well there you know there are times when you will cry with your clients uh, when you lose them um but you know what there are not many people who will talk to you about um your fears and those fears can be health fears i want you to make sure that you're going to look after my family when i'm not here after somebody's had a diagnosis and it, it can be tough, um, but I cannot tell you that I just, there is no more rewarding job than doing this. And the CFP just gives you the structure to start laying that foundation. So I, I definitely say go for it. Don't hesitate. Shannon, Phil, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. It's quite interesting to listen to the different views and discussions with different people, isn't it? Join me next time when we'll be discussing all things Certified Financial Planner related and catching up with those new to the financial planning profession. Bye for now.